Greetings, beautiful people, and welcome to the Revival's Holy Week devotional series. For today's reading and teaching, we will be in the book of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. All of this week's readings are from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB translation. Receive the word of God on this day. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was in it. Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you will always have the poor with you but you do not always have me. As we begin Holy Week, we enter into the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, a trio of siblings who are close friends and devoted followers of Jesus. You may remember, but it is through Lazarus that Jesus performs the miracle of human resurrection for the first time, signaling to his own future resurrection to come. As Jesus joins his family once more, he is welcomed and hosted warmly. Imagine going to your auntie and uncle's house for Sunday dinner, where she is bustling around the kitchen preparing a bountiful meal that will stick to your ribs, a choice aroma flowing throughout the home. And your uncle chopping up about the latest happenings in sports while the game plays on TV with the fellas. And the children running around the backyard playing their favorite games. This space is familiar and intimate, warm and loving. As the family gathers at the table, the space of communion and connection, and takes part in the meal that heals, Mary becomes overwhelmed with emotion and gratitude for her Lord. This is not new for Mary. Mary does not necessarily follow the script of decorum or custom, and she surely does not hold back her emotion. She possesses a connection with Jesus that is deep and sacred and expansive. She is fully herself with Jesus, and he embraces her fully. And so in utter reverence, she gathers the most precious item she owns, oils and perfumes worth one year's wages, gather herself at his feet, anoints his feet with the oil, and washes them with her hair. Mary's anointing is important, as Jesus asserts, because she is preparing Jesus for his burial to come. In ancient Jewish culture, it was custom to treat the dead bodies with oils and herbs for burial preparation. Jesus is then urging his disciples to understand the reality that he will not be with them much longer. We will come back to this idea of preparation, but for now, 
rests on the notion that her act is holy and sacred on multiple dimensions. To do such a thing, uses expensive oil to wash his feet, expresses the value Jesus is to Mary. He is priceless to her to use his oil in such a way. Think about how absurd it may be to use a full year salary's worth of precious perfume only to pour it on someone's feet, dirty feet, feet caked with sand and mud and potentially animal excrement, nasty feet. <laughs> it seems foolish, but that is how much Jesus mattered to Mary. She realized his worth was much more valuable than the oil and that he only deserved to be anointed with the best. This absurdity seems not to bother anyone in this room. Not Lazarus, not Martha, and certainly not Jesus. But it does bother Judas, one of the 12 disciples. He rebukes Mary, questioning why she is wasting her money in such a way when the poor could be served. Though his motivation behind the rebuke proved only to serve himself. We will see throughout the week nuggets in John's gospel that signal to how Judas could become the man who betrayed Jesus. But for now, we settle on his latent greed and how it will poison him and lead to death. But Jesus's response is one that challenges both Judas and us as readers in a different way. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me, says Jesus. This is not to make us so comfortable with poverty and hardship that we get used to its perpetual presence. No, we ought to do the work to eliminate poverty at all costs, particularly within a global context where there is enough wealth to end global hunger or to provide housing for all or to ensure quality childcare and education for all. Now, what Jesus is saying is that my presence on earth is but for a season, but my call to serve is eternal. And that whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. As Jesus journeys through his last days before the crucifixion, he becomes increasingly concerned with preparation. According to Oxford, the definition of to prepare means to make something ready for use or consideration. As such, Jesus is trying to get his disciples ready to be used in a mighty way. He wants his followers to be prepared for what is to come and how it will change the course of human history. He wants his disciples to be prepared to step into a new level of leadership and public witness they have not yet experienced without him. He wants them prepared to be ambassadors deployed throughout the world to do his will. Jesus is saying, you will always have the poor with you. Now serve them as I did. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must also undergo our own preparation to embrace and live into the call on our lives to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Just as Mary anoints Jesus as he goes forth to do what he was sent to do, to save and redeem the world, God is also anointing us to do the same regarding our own personal cause. 
As we close today's devotional, I encourage you to consider the ways God has spoken to you about your purpose and call. Now think expansively about how you have been prepared. How does your life story prepare you? Your experiences, your relationships, your trials, and your triumphs. How about your unique quirks exemplified in the ways God formed you before the world even knew you? We often consider our hard and technical skills or our work experiences as preparation, but we must be more expansive here. You and your fullness represents the preparation as well. Be encouraged that nothing has been wasted in your life. Everything has been used and seen by God as valuable as the choicest oil and perfume. Consider these things as we leave this space today. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, thank you for the word that encourages, comforts, teaches, and prepares us for our work in the world. As Mary anointed Jesus, we also receive your anointing over us to be and do all that you have called us to be and do. Help us to see the God in everyone we see. Strengthen us to live into the divinely curated purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.